0: Welcome to the Marion Road Christian Church Podcast. Marion Road exists to glorify God through worship, sharing the good news, making and developing disciples, and serving others. It is not always good in preaching to assume things about your audience, but... I think I'm on pretty safe ground this morning to assume that if you're joining us for worship today, you are probably celebrating Christmas at some point today or tomorrow or in that surrounding time. Maybe you have already, maybe you will today, later today or tomorrow or sometime over the course of the next few days. Uh, Maybe you have kids in your home or in your life, they've been counting down the days for quite some time now, and they are ansily waiting for me to wrap things up so they can get home and get to the presents. We've waited all year, and now here we are on Christmas Eve. We're right on the cusp of all the celebrations. It's an exciting time, and it should be. And yet for all the excitement, we also know if you've gone through any celebration of Christmas before that... Sooner or later, those celebrations will end. Uh, At some point, the presents will all be open. We'll be left to clean up the wrapping paper, put the leftovers in the fridge, and figure out how to get the kids' toys out of those complicated packages that you need an engineering degree to open up. It won't be much longer after that where the adults will have to go back to work. The kids will have to head back to school, unfortunately. For all the excitement Christmas brings, it also comes to an end every year. And so what are we left with after Christmas? What comes next? I suppose the simplest answer is to say that after December 25th comes December 26th. In terms of holidays, we'll go from celebrating Christmas this week to celebrating the new year next week. But what are we left with after celebrating Christmas? Does life just go back to normal or or does Christmas bring us something more? We've spent this Christmas season as a church digging into the theological truth of the Incarnation by reflecting on a passage of Scripture from Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11. And each week we've been reading this passage together, and so if you would join me, let's do that now, and then I'll summarize where we've been so far over the past month. Let's read. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus We began this series by reflecting on verses 5 and 6 of that passage and what that first Christmas cost the Son of God as it cost him his status, his authority, the comforts and privileges of perfection in heaven and yet he paid that cost, he gave it all up to come to earth for us. And then we looked at verse 7 and saw that although this came at great cost for Christ, he did it willingly, he humbled himself, he emptied himself so that we might see what true glory looks like. Last week we looked at verse 8 and saw how far Jesus went in humbling himself for our sake as he went to the cross, lowering himself as low as anyone could possibly be lowered so that we might experience the grace of God. That's the story we've, in summary, up to this point. And as rich as these theological truths are, we can still ask the question, okay, why is this? Worth knowing beyond being able to celebrate Christmas, what difference is this going to make on December 26th or any other day of the year? What are we left with after Christmas? Well, I think verses 9 to 11 give us the answer to that question because everything we've seen up to this point in the passage becomes dramatically reversed in these last three verses. We go from Jesus being lower than low, dying a shameful death on the cross, to being elevated higher than anyone. Because of Jesus' humility, because he submitted to the will of the Father, even to the point of death, he has been vindicated. His death on the cross was not the end of the story, but he has been resurrected. He's been elevated to the role of king and ruler of the universe, and that right there is the difference that Christmas makes throughout the rest of the year. That is what Christmas leaves us we've got the presents opened and the leftovers in the fridge it is the reign of christ now and forever that we have been given and that truth gives christmas and every other day of our lives meaning and purpose it is a purpose that encompasses the past the present and the future and this has been at the center of the message of jesus from the very beginning The Apostle Peter concludes the sermon he preaches on the day of Pentecost. At the birth of the church, he concludes his sermon by saying, Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the Christ. He is the long-awaited Deliverer. And he is the Lord, the Ruler, the King of all things. The one that we are to bow before. So because that is true, let's spend some time reflecting on those last three verses and what they have to say about the reign of Christ and how it impacts our past, present, and future so that it might be at the center of our Christmas. Jesus reigns as king of all things because of the truths we've been unpacking over these last few weeks. It's his faithfulness in the past that means he is worthy to reign now and forever. And that doesn't mean that before the incarnation, Jesus was inferior some way that he had to prove himself to God so that then he could be elevated but it means that through his death and resurrection Jesus has demonstrated that he is who he claimed to be that he is worthy to rule over all things and that the purposes of God have been made complete through his faithfulness his present reign has come about because of his past humility his past submission to death on the cross and his vindication at the resurrection and the ascension is greater than all the limitations and sufferings he endured. There's been a downward progression. If you follow this passage, there's been a downward progression each week as Jesus is enjoying perfection in heaven, but he empties himself and he comes to earth. And not only does he come to earth, but he submits to death on the cross. Last week we ended things by saying he's been laid in the tomb as low as someone could be lowered in more ways than one. But almost immediately as we start reading these verses, that is, rev- that is flipped as Jesus goes from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs, being exalted by God. He's gone from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows and back again to the highest of highs. He's reigning over all things. He has the name that's above every name. He's greater than all powers and authorities, whoever they are. This is what Christ has done and where he is now now and for all time. He's done all this so that by taking on death, he might defeat it from the inside out. Change and transformation can come in all sorts of ways, but entering into the experience yourself is what can bring about the deepest impact. There's an old preacher story that, if I'm being honest, is probably not true, but I think it makes the point pretty well if you will indulge me. The story goes that there was a a grandpa who stopped by his daughter's house because he wanted to see his grandson. And he walks in the door, and he doesn't see his daughter anywhere, but he can hear his grandson. So he goes to his room, and his, his grandson is in his playpen. And so he picks him up, sets him out down amongst his toys, and the two of them begin playing together. And after a few minutes of this, the daughter comes in, the boy's mother, and she sees it, and she says, Dad, you've got to put him back in the playpen. He's been a bad boy this morning. He's being disciplined, so he needs to stay in his playpen. And so the grandpa puts the boy back in the playpen. Of course, he immediately starts to cry because who doesn't prefer toys over a playpen in isolation? And the grandfather is is heartbroken by this. He He wants to make his grandson happy, but he also has to respect the authority of his daughter as the mother, and so she leaves. The grandfather's left there. The mother goes back to what she's been doing, and after a few minutes, she notices that her son has stopped crying. So she goes up the stairs. She comes around the corner fully expecting to have to lay into her dad again. Dad, I told you to leave him in the playpen, and she enters the room, and her father, the boy's grandfather, has climbed into the playpen with her grandson. He could not do anything about the boy's punishment, but he could enter into it with him. And by experiencing it alongside him, they could both have the joy of relationship with one another. And that might not be a perfect illustration, but I think it gets at something pretty powerful about God coming to earth for us and becoming incarnate in Jesus. We were trapped in sin and death because of our rebellion against God. There was nothing that we could do to fix that situation. We had distanced ourselves from God, and there was no bridging that we were going to be able to do on our own. And yet, God came near. When he could have abandoned us, he did not. He entered into our experience. He was born in Bethlehem. He grew up as the son of Joseph and Mary. He lived on this earth. He taught. He healed. He was arrested. He died. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven so that by entering into our broken world, that brokenness might be undone. He entered into death so that death might be defeated forever. He's done all this so that, we might be right, that he might be rightfully crowned as the king and the ruler of of all things. And because he did that in the past, he reigns in the present. His name is above every name. He is present tense the resurrected Son of God, reigning in heaven and all names, powers, and authorities are below him. Whatever titles you or anyone else might have, the titles of Jesus, Jesus' name is greater His name is greater than any athlete, it's greater than any politician, it's greater than any CEO, it's greater than any celebrity, it's greater than any musician. His name is above every name now and forever. His name is the one around which all of world history turns. History is not up to the whims of whatever nation happens to have the biggest military at any given time. History is not dictated by whoever's in control of the media History is not an endless digression into chaos. All history, all people, all powers, all authorities, everything has to bow its knee before the name of Jesus. He is in charge of all things for all time. Because that is who Jesus is, he is the only one who is worthy of saving us completely. Many scholars will point out that these verses, the last few verses of this passage, sound a lot like Isaiah 45. And in case you don't know, Isaiah 45 is a chapter where God proclaims that he's the one true God. That although all things are chaotic in the world, he has not given up control of his creation or his people. He's the only one who can be trusted. And because that is the case, God says at the end of Isaiah 45, verse 23, he says, before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. Because he's the one true God, he's the only one who should be trusted, the only one who could save us. He's the only one in control. He is the one everyone bows before, and Paul picks up that language right here when he's speaking about Jesus to show us he's the only one who can save us. He is the one true God. He is the only one who can bring us everything we need. He is ruling over all creation, and that's the best news we could ever receive. He is a king, and he is not a detached one. He knows exactly what we need. He knows what we go through because he became incarnate and lived among us. When you're going through difficulty, someone who understands, who can sympathize with you, but they can't do anything about your situation only brings you so much comfort. When you're going through something difficult and someone can help you, but they choose not to, that is, that is a painful thing to endure. What you need when you are going through difficulty is someone who fully understands what you are experiencing and is fully able to do something about it. And when we look at our King Jesus, that is what we have. He understands what we need, and he's powerful enough to heal us. He has come to us as a baby so that he might redeem every part of our lives and every part of our world. The one who emptied himself, the one who was born as a baby to Joseph and Mary, is now the king of the universe, He's conquered every enemy that has ever waged war against God and his people, and therefore we can trust in him as our good and gracious king who will always provide for us. As one says, the one who was completely obedient is now to be completely obeyed. His humility and obedience to God is what demonstrates his qualifications to be our good and gracious king now and forever. And therefore we can trust him. When we talk about bowing our knee before King Jesus, we are not cowering in fear before a ruthless dictator. We're pledging our allegiance to the one true king who has promised to never leave us or forsake us, to always give us what we need. He will reign now and forever, and therefore we can trust him during our Christmas and every other time as well. And we can have that confidence because the story does not end here. These verses have an eye on the future. Yes, it is absolutely true. Jesus is presently reigning over all things, but that reign has not yet been made complete. There will come a day when he will return to make all things new. There will come a day when the picture Paul paints in these verses will be made complete. Jesus will return to this earth as a groom coming for the bride of his people. And when that day comes, there will no longer be any doubt that he is who he claimed to be. All people, no matter what they did with Jesus in this life, whether they accepted him or rejected him, will come to know that he is who he says he is. And all, part, all people, all parts of creation will bow their knee before the one true God and King, to the glory of God the Father. And this is the day we look forward to. It's not a day we look forward to because we're rubbing our hands together, counting down the minutes for when all the people we don't like get what they have coming to them. It's a day we look forward to because because our King will come to save us completely and bring us home. We long for that day because suffering will be no more. We long for that day because injustice will be gone. We long for that day because then there will be no more empty seats at Christmas dinners. We long for that day when there will be no more brokenness or pain. We long for that day when God will make all things new as he intended for them to be. That's the hope we have for the future. Because Jesus reigns now and forever. And that is the truth that is at the heart of Christmas. The truth of Christmas is not just something to make us feel a little better, to get us through the doldrums of winter until spring comes. It's a truth that transforms all things for all time if we will allow it. It is our rock, it is our firm foundation, it is peace in the midst of chaos, it is hope in the midst of despair, it is joy no matter the circumstances, it tells us beyond the shadow of a doubt that God loves us, that because the purposes of God required his son to come to earth to humble himself, to give up himself completely so that we might be made new, and so that is what we are left with after Christmas. We are left with the reign of our King Jesus. That is our comfort. Whatever we deal with, whatever we endure, Christmas tells us Jesus is enough. That he is with us, that he is for us, that he will not leave us, that he will not give up his throne, nor will anyone remove him from it. He reigns in heaven now and for all time, and therefore we have hope. Christmas is a time of year when we usually assume everyone is in a good mood, And I hope for you and the people you'll be celebrating Christmas with that that is the case. And yet, I've also lived in the world long enough to know that that Christmas may be a time of year where things appear joyful, where we feel like we have to act like things are joyful, and yet that is not the case inside. There can be times of year where we feel like we have to put on a mask, we have to pretend that things are okay when they are not. For whatever reason it might be, Christmas can come to us with good and bad mixed together. And if I can be completely honest, we are feeling that within our own house this year. There's joy, there's anticipation. Whitney's due date is getting closer. We've officially entered the stage of pregnancy where any time she makes any sudden sounds, I get nervous that I'm going to have to jump in the car and go to the hospital. That might say more about me than Whitney, but I'm not sure. And there's a lot of excitement with that. And yet because of that, Christmas also looks pretty different for us this year. And there's sadness with that as well. Part of it's because we're not able to travel, but as many of you also know, we lost my grandmother back last summer. And I could be wrong when I say this, but as best, my family will watch this later and correct me if I am, but as best as I can remember, this will be the first Christmas of my life that will not involve a trip to my grandparents at any point. And I don't know what your Christmas celebrations will look like this year. I don't know if the past week or the past year has been good or bad, if you are bringing joy, sadness, or something else completely into this Christmas. But I can tell you that Christ reigns now and forever in your circumstances and everywhere else. He reigns in good times and bad times. And so we can celebrate. We can celebrate no matter what. We can celebrate when things are good because scripture tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God above who loves us and cares for us and desires us to have life with him. And we can celebrate when things are bad because we know God has not forgotten us. We can know again as scripture says that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Because Jesus has come into this world, sin and death do not have the last word. Suffering does not have the last word. Our shame doesn't have the last word. Brokenness does not have the last word. The healing of Jesus that is available because he has died and risen again is what wins the day. The reign of our King Jesus is what is most important regardless of what is right in front of us on any given day. It's greater than anything else we'll encounter in this life because Jesus reigns now and forever. Because that is the case, it is appropriate for worship to be a part of our Christmas celebrations. And we hope that that is the case for you this morning, that this will be a meaningful focal point of your Christmas celebrations, but that you will also carry that into the rest of your celebrations, whatever that looked like looks like. Like we've mentioned over the last few weeks, when you leave worship today out at the Welcome Center, there's going to be some, there's a sign-up and some guides for you to take home with you to have your own... Christmas worship service with your family whenever it fits within your Christmas celebrations. And on that sheet of paper you'll find a few songs, you'll find a QR code for music and lyrics in case your household doesn't want to sing a cappella. you'll find some passages of scripture, you'll find some questions that you can discuss with your kids, and you'll find some things that you can pray about as well. And our hope is that even though we will all be scattered in different locations tonight and over the next few days, that we will all have this guide to focus us in the same direction, on who Jesus is, on his purpose for coming into this world, and the hope that we have because he is the king of the universe now and for all time. And yet these truths extend far beyond taking some time to worship this morning or this evening or tomorrow or whenever it will be. The call of Christmas is not just for us to set aside some time to reflect on the birth of Jesus today, but for us to be formed by that truth each and every day. This passage is not a call to reflect on who Jesus is and what he has done. It's a reminder of the life that's available to us if we follow his example. This passage is not really asking us if we have made Jesus Lord of our life, although that's not a bad question to ask. I think this passage is showing us that Jesus is already Lord of our life because he's Lord of all creation. And because that is true, because Jesus is reigning over all things, because he is the Lord of all, this passage is not asking us, how do you feel about Jesus? It's asking us, how are you living in light of the fact that Jesus already reigns over all things? This passage calls us to be formed by the Lordship of Christ over all creation in our own lives. We're called to be humble as Christ is humble. We're called to serve as Christ has served. We're called to live in light of the fact that the one true king of the world has died and risen again for us. Christmas does not call us to just repeat the same old story, sing the same old songs, gather with the same people, eat the same meals, open some presents, and move on. We're called to be transformed by the God who came to us in humility who came to serve us. We're called to love as he has loved us. We're called to serve as he has served us. We're called to empty ourselves as he has emptied himself. And as we do that, we are promised, as Paul says at the end of this verse, that God will be glorified as he deserves. He's the only one worthy of our praise. He's the only one who can save us, the only one who can redeem us, the only one who can deliver us, the only one who should be at the center of our celebrations because he is the one that will bring us into the life we've been created for. And that transforming truth is not just for Christmas. It's not just for people who have everything figured out. Jesus reigns now and forever. He reigns because of his faithfulness in the past. He reigns in the present and he will reign for all time. And that means that when we bow our knee before him, we are redeemed past, present, and future as well. The fact that Jesus reigns now and forever means that no matter what is in our past. It is not the end of the story. If there's shame from people you have hurt or people that have hurt you, if there are scars that color your day to day, if there are skeletons in the closet, if there are broken relationships, whatever it might be, the past is not the end of the story because the reign of Jesus means that he is working to make all things new, including you and me. And that doesn't mean that your past experiences are all good things and you need to look at them that way. But it means... That God desires to redeem all things, and all things includes you. And he desires to redeem you into life with him because Jesus has come into this world to bring you that life. And because Jesus reigns, we can have confidence that our present has meaning. If life feels like a waiting room, if stress is overwhelming, no matter what it might be, the obstacles are not insurmountable. If the new year seems unsure, if life just feels like a waiting room, God is not done working. He is near because Jesus is reigning over all things. He will not leave you in darkness and uncertainty. He will guide you into his presence. He will bless you and keep you and bring you into life with him. And so trust in him and his presence. Seek his face and his guidance. Experience life with him so that you can be confident as he leads you forward that he will deliver you into life. And because Jesus reigns, we can know that our future is secure. There is meaning and an end to life on this earth. The end is not despair. The end is restoration of all things under the reign of our perfect God. We live in this world with an eye towards that future hope. We walk through good and bad knowing that God is with us and he is for us. We live each and every day with the knowledge that Jesus reigns now and forever. So make that truth the foundation of your Christmas. If you never have, make that truth the foundation of your life. In all things, live in light of the reign of Jesus and have life with him. If you need help figuring out what that means, that is what we are here to figure out together. You are not among a group of people that has everything figured out and wants you to figure it out too. We, want, we are people who are figuring it out and want to walk with you as you do the same. So don't walk out of here. Don't celebrate Christmas without knowing the reign of Jesus and allowing it to transform your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you that your son reigns now and forever. We thank you for the hope that we have because Jesus is alive. So as we go in all our different directions, as we have so many different things vying for our attention and our time today and and beyond, God, we pray that you would make yourself known in and among us that you would be the center, the firm foundation of our Christmas celebrations. We pray that you would be glorified, God, in and through us. That your reign might be made apparent. God, we pray that As you told us to pray that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. That in all things you might receive the glory. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen. We hope that you were encouraged and challenged by this message given by our own senior pastor, Monty French.